you will notice that we have been joined uh, not only by Dawn, uh, but also uh, this young man in the middle, Tim Brown. Um, let's welcome Tim, everybody. Yeah. Um, uh, Tim's here to help with uh, Q&A as well. Tim, do you want to give us a quick introduction to who you are and uh, perhaps why you can kind of speak into these themes a bit, uh, if you think you can, and if not, explain why you're here, etc. Yeah. Well, first of all, I wasn't so impressed with the smiles and sniggers that when you introduced me as a young man. Um, I suppose uh, my experience and... Uh, and being able to speak into these issues would come out of being in church leadership for quite a few decades now. Uh, and uh, so being involved in caring myself, I guess, in those situations, but also observing others and, and seeing how others have coped or sometimes maybe haven't coped with uh, being involved in caring uh, in those sorts of pastoral situations. Brilliant. So these are our panellists for today, uh, and we'll dive in with the first question. Um, perhaps, Dawn, I'll come to you first, and then, Tim, you can chip in if you want to. Um, what can you do to feel less guilt when you have to reduce the care you give in order to replenish? Uh, so I guess if someone feels that they, in stepping back from opportunities to care, would feel guilty, um, how can you deal with that? Yeah. This one on? Yeah. Um, so I think... Fundamentally, um, those times with God are when he tells me that I'm completely accepted. And I think it starts from there, um, because I think the message of Jesus is one of freedom, not one of obligation. Um, God loves me, whether I'm uh, caring 24-7 or whether I'm not. Um, but I appreciate that often that feeling of guilt comes from really caring, because you really do care for people when you're feeling that way. And so if you're in a situation where you are feeling a bit burned out and it's all a bit too much, that feeling of guilt often comes from a place of love. <laughs> um, I think... It's helpful for me sometimes to know that um, just because I'm not caring doesn't mean that God's not going to provide someone else and that I can also pray for that person. So care looks differently. Um, it doesn't stop me loving them if I'm not still spending the same amount of hours in their presence or doing similar things. So sometimes it's about just thinking through. Um, I think it's, sometimes it may be about examining why is there a need to step back as well? Is it the right time to step back? Or is it because you're kind of a bit busy with other stuff that maybe isn't as important? And this happened with me um, on the issue of play dates. Um, so I, uh, I returned to work fairly soon after having all my kids. Um, so I didn't have lots and lots of maternity leave um, and have always worked quite a full week. Um, so maybe three days at least in the week, maybe even having one day off, but working in the evenings as well. Um, so that one day off was probably when I did the washing and spent time with the children and heard about their day, um, but began to feel guilty because people would invite me for play dates and I would, I would really struggle um, because it would lose that day for me. Um, and I felt really guilty about it. I felt I was being rude. And then I felt, well, shouldn't I be doing play dates because I'm a good mum and that's what you're supposed to do. And then the penny dropped with me of, this is wearing me out. It's got nothing to do with what God's called me to do. And it's really okay to say no. And so for a few years, I just didn't do play dates. And it was really nice. Um, and um, so I suppose it's 
try and examine where the feelings of guilt are coming from. Sometimes that's a prod that it is time to rest and that's okay and step back a bit and give them to Jesus. But sometimes it's guilt, um, maybe from a place that's saying, um, I really want to spend time on this person. I really want to devote myself to them. Perhaps what am I doing that's burning me out elsewhere that I could pull back on? I think as part of her talk, Dawn talked about warning signs. And I think for me, a, a feelings of guilt would be a warning sign. Uh, I think one of the dangers we can fall into when we're caring is that we try to fill all the gaps. We try to um, answer all the questions and try to be everything for the person we're caring for. In fact, we try to be God. Uh, and a feeling of guilt and being inadequate can be a sign that we are doing just that and so recognizing that and then dealing with it by bringing it to God as Dawn has just said is a really healthy and important way of dealing with uh, with that as a symptom thank you um this is great great stuff guys um there's a question here um which I'll, I'll perhaps rephrase slightly but um how do you practically help someone who perhaps needs to access perhaps some quite serious help but um the person isn't, doesn't see that or is refusing to access help? If you spot that someone really needs some assistance in some uh, area, and perhaps it's quite serious, but they themselves either don't see that or, or refuse to access that help, um, any advice there? Tim, you can start. <laughs> I think, firstly, Pointing them to pop or bring, bringing the bringing the issue to God, I think uh, uh, bringing it to God in prayer, praying for the person is, I mean, it's it's a it's a first port of call in, in in any sort of situation. But I think particularly where somebody is uh, difficult to uh, is, is difficult to get them to engage, I think that that has to be a first uh, first step for us. I think looking for ways in which we can perhaps help them without. It being obvious, so looking for practical ways, perhaps to serve somebody, uh, and and uh, and and bring care to them without it looking as though we are obviously um, uh, uh, helping in ways that they might find difficult to uh, to accept. I think. Uh, so that those kind of practical helps um, can be a way of drawing them out and, uh, and helping people into that situation. Um, I don't know, if Dawn, if you've got any others. I suppose a question like that kind of relates to what, what do you do when the problem seems too big to shoulder on your own? It's, it's too scary and some serious help is needed, I think is, is probably reading into that as well. And um, uh, so... I think that partly comes down to a couple of things. I think the first is, um, and we have covered this a little bit before in one of our big questions talks, but um, as a church, we recognize that we're not professionals um, and that sometimes people need professional help as well. Um, and it can be really easy when you're caring for somebody and you really care for them to want to be everything. Um, but you might not have the skills to do it. Um, and so sometimes it literally is about taking them to a professional. <laughs> um, I suppose the question relates to what if they don't want to go? 
Um, and I think that's really tricky sometimes. Um, and I have had situations like that. I think there's partly something about um, being in relationship with someone. Um, so an awful lot about caring long term is building relationships of love and trust. Um, it's very easy to stand from the outside of a situation and think, I know exactly what this person needs. Um, and, and then to be frustrated if they don't do the right thing. <laughs> but actually, until you've walked with them a few miles in their shoes, um, it can be very easy to have all the answers and then maybe get them a bit wrong. Um, and I've learned that the hard way a lot of times. Um, so I think it's partly walking with people and knowing them. Um, if you're not the one who knows them really well, it's about inviting others in who do. Um, I think when it's really big and really scary and something like that isn't happening, I'd probably say that's an immediate warning sign for you probably shouldn't be having to do that on your own. That's a time when you do speak to the elders or you bring it to someone at church. I mean, you don't sort of flail around um, thinking this is really scary, but I don't know what to do um, because there will always be somebody who has some wisdom and who can partner with you. And we've done that a few times where we've asked for help and it's been amazing. Thanks, guys. Um, so a question here, I guess more from the perspective of um, someone who would want to be cared for. And just to say, I really empathize with the question. I think um, we're all that person um, all the time in different ways. Um, and so the question is, what do I do if I'm too tired and overwhelmed to really know what help I need? Um, so I guess life, it would be nice if we all had clear lists of the specific things that we need help with. But life isn't really like that. So any advice for someone here who might feel too tired or overwhelmed to really know what help they need to access? Yeah, Dawn, do you want to start? Yeah, I sometimes talk to my patients about you've got a bit of a brain like spaghetti when you feel that way. It can be so hard to untangle where the end is um, and to even articulate how you're feeling. It's just an emotion, um, but you can't put words to it. Um, I, I would say... Um, that that's the place it's okay in my mind to just express that um and and actually it's very very hard to untangle spaghetti thoughts on your own um it's really helpful to have someone that you trust help you untangle the spaghetti and it doesn't always happen straight away but they might just help you pull on a little end that just leads you to the next step um, and maybe that next step is they come with you because it's too scary to do it on your own and that's absolutely fine. Um, I think whoever perhaps someone is feeling like that today, um, you know, even just recognizing that feeling and writing it down and saying it out loud is a massive step. Um, and so you, you're doing better than you think by even being able to write that down. Um, and so if that is something that we can help with or you know someone that sat around you that could help, I'd say, invite them in I think I just endorse that and just yes the encouragement would be to not to be isolated not to not to withdraw um, there may be time you need you need some time uh, alone but don't allow that to become a time of isolation make sure that you're in in community in relationship and uh, and and being being encouraged and fed in that way um, we're, time is uh, against us. We've got just two more questions, and I think we'll, we'll um, draw it to a close there. Um, Tim, perhaps for you, um, firstly, um, could you speak about what replenishing with God looks like? Um, uh, the qu questioner and I relate again. Sometimes 
those are the times in my life that feel like they're causing me the most angst and stress and guilt. Um, so how is it that times with God, as they, they should be and we believe they can be, how can they really be replenishing? Um, yeah. I think, uh, I think finding a routine uh, is, is key. I think, um, you know, you'd expect us to talk about the, the daily disciplines and making sure that we're spending time reading a Bible and we're spending time praying, and those things are absolutely key. Um, I would also encourage something that kind of we're, we're really exploring and enjoying at the moment is, is, is the, the idea of Sabbath. And you know, that is a gift from God. The rest uh, of, of Sabbath is a gift from God. And Sabbath is all about, it's not about not going to the shops and not playing football on a Sunday. It's about stopping and doing the things that replenish us and refresh us. And that's physical replenishment, it's emotional replenishment, and it's spiritual replenishment. And it's about finding the, the routine that enables us to do that. And obviously the routine that God has encouraged us, is encouraged, has encouraged us into is a weekly uh, routine of finding that, that, that space to stop doing things and engaging in those those things that will that will uh, will refresh us and replenish us in those ways. Um, so that's a brief answer to what could be a very <laughs> long uh, long uh, exposition. But great, um, Dawn. I'll ask you this question. Our final question. If you want to jump in on any of that stuff, you can as well. Um, but a question here. Um, you spoke about. Um, that question in the practical tips at the end, how, who are you partnering with? Um, and the person says, uh, how can you partner effectively in caring for others uh, when you're not married? And so I guess the, you, you spoke of the help that you've accessed within um, marriage with Sam, um, but many of us will be single. So what does it look like to partner effectively and not carry the burden of caring on our own when we're single? Um, that's a really great question, and thank you to whoever whoever asked it. Um, so I think a couple of things going through my mind there. Um, the first thing to say really out loud is that married people don't have the monopoly on caring and aren't better at it than people who aren't married. Um, and... Um, I think it's probably also fair to say that sometimes the message from the church can suggest that we might think that um, and can suggest that, you know, there can be the married clique and the non-married clique if, you know, if we're not careful. Um, I'd say that's not right. And if it is happening here, tell us, call it out, come and be in our house, please. <laughs> Show us. Um, I think... Um, it's, it's about a two-way thing, actually. I think it's about building community and being really intentional. I think it's about, from those of us who are married, looking at people who have a heart to care and saying, can we support you? and reaching out to them. Um, and then also for those who aren't married, who are feeling isolated, reaching out the other way as well. Um, I think sometimes the place that it starts is looking at people that you think, um, you're amazing, I really wish I could learn from you. And a lot of my relationships of partnering has started from that place of, wow, you're amazing, can you teach me a few things? Um, and, and often you find you start to develop this two-way conversation then it doesn't matter if they're married or not it's about being quite intentional and creating time 
to learn from one another. Um, and I think it's probably a little bit about being selective as well. I think it's really hard to build lots and lots of relationships with 50 people but maybe it's okay to build relationships with three or four where you're really learning from one another and growing together. And I think for certain, certain situations like this, there is an element of trust and relationship that's needed because you're dealing with vulnerable things and difficult things. Um, and so it's okay to, to start small and learn from a small group and work together in that way too, as well as being aware that you're set within a bigger family. If I could just add on a, a kind of more general but link point, I think caring in isolation is <clears throat> it's a very vulnerable and it's a very unhelpful and potentially dangerous place to be. And God has placed us in community and he placed us in church. And within church, we do have kind of pastoral structures and uh, those are in place so that, or one of the reasons for having those in place is that when you, people who are involved in caring are, are supported and cared for themselves, but also there's a degree of accountability, and that is so important. Uh, so if you do find yourself in a, in a place of caring for someone and, you, and you, you're not in, in that place, then I'd encourage you to start talking to people and start making sure that you have that, that kind of support structure around you because it can be, as I say, it can be quite unhelpful and, and, and vulnerable uh, for you in that, in that situation. Um, for time's sake, um, we're going to uh, stop there. I I've got a couple of things to say in closing. Uh, but first, can we just thank these guys for their contribution? Thank you so much, Thornton. Thank you. Brilliant. Good to be together, Steve.